Yo, 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 what's good? Thank you for coming to the House of Barf. I'm Chan Man. And before we get started, I would just like to emphasize that the content that we share on House of Barf is for informational and entertainment purposes only. We are not financial advisors and the information provided should not be considered as professional financial advice. Investing and financial decisions involve risk. And it's crucial to do your own research or consult with a qualified professional before making any financial choices. The opinions expressed on House of Barf are, are of our, our own and do not reflect the views of any organizations that we may be affiliated with. Please remember that past performance is not indicative of future results and the financial landscape can change rapidly. Always conduct thorough due diligence and seek financial advice from a financial advisor tailored to your personal needs and circumstances. By listening to this podcast, you agree that the host and in the future, if we have any guests, are not responsible for any financial decisions you make as a result of the information presented on House of Barf. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Yo, 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 what's good? It's Chan Man, House of Barf. Thank you so much for stopping by the house. I appreciate it. Y'all are showing me so much love. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just trying to take my time, man. You know, no need to rush. Everybody in a rush. They, they call my generation a generation of the microwave, the microwave era, whatever it's called. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody, everybody don't want to take time to, you know, make a roux and, and put it in the, in, in the stew and let the stew brew. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to let things just... Slow cook, you know. So if anything, you can call me slow cook chan. Broke man investments. Let's get it. All right. So right now I'm looking for my book because we're about to do it again. About to do some reading. Got a pretty busy day today. A um, couple people want to talk to me about opportunities available. Had a couple BDs. No offense course they want to bring me in entry level I'm like oh gosh here we go again and it's like God is just smacking me in my head Chan here we go again you know but I will say you know every company starts off this way they've been fairly nice but typically that's how everybody starts off they start off fairly nice then you get in the office and you're doing your thing and you're excited to be part of the team and you're excited to go to the restaurants that are in the area and you're you're living lavish. And then, and then, I don't even know what happens. It comes out of left field. It's either a manager, it's either a coworker. It just comes, and then you're just like, oh gosh. The first, the first year or two was nice. Now, not so much. And now, all that everybody's doing is where you can stay at a company only about two or three years before you got to leave and then come back and blah, 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 to get all the money and all that nonsense because, you know, only because I don't know what's going on up top. You know what I'm saying? Up top, there's probably some, you know, we got to, you know, you know how people do. They got to cut expenses, raise revenues, blah, 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 blah. Having myself a sip of a, same old, same old, Concord, great, Welch's, whatever. Please, if you want, have a Bev with me. Uh, trust me, 
when things start popping off, you know, we're going to have some good baths. We're going to have some fun. Uh, we're going to get obnoxious. And seriously, this is just some basic stuff. For all the really intelligent knowledge and all this stuff, you know it's not here. This is barf. You know what I'm saying? So, since it's a real busy day, and then also, we got some uh, storms coming in. Supposedly, it's supposed to be pretty bad. But, good news is, based off the information that I've been reading, I haven't retained all of it. I don't, you know, it's not all stored up there. You know what I'm saying? But, was able to apply some of the knowledge yesterday. So, um, let me see. Uh, bills, bills, bills. Oh, okay. Uh, somehow I just paid my Wi-Fi. Didn't know it. <laughs> it's just, hey, thanks for your payment. I, I didn't, I didn't, but hey, sure. Hey, take it. I think it's in there actually. So we're good. Uh, not to mention my Wi-Fi. So, you know, I told you I'm broke and everything going on. Uh, so state of Maryland had this affordable connectivity program. Fantastic, right? 2024, guess what? Hey, we're going to send you they send us a letter. Hey, we just want to let you know there's nothing you need to do, nothing you have to worry about. Uh, but uh, Congress or somebody just went ahead and got rid of the affordable co connectivity program in the state of Maryland. So your bill would just go right back up to normal where it was. Don't worry. You don't have to do anything. Oh, great. Thanks. Crap. You know, like, you know, uh, but it's all good as long as. You know what I'm saying? The little ones are excited, you know, when they get home and they're like, oh, I get to play my Call of Duty or, you know, watch my whatever TV shows that they watch. You know, that's just, that's, for me, that's priceless. You know what I'm saying? Or, or you know, and the fact that they can do their homework, whatever, it's priceless for me. You know, I'm I'm willing to go balls to the wall for them. You know what I'm saying? I'm, it. A lot of people really think like, oh, come on, Chan, I know, I know you're going through a lot and, you know, you got to keep moving on. It's like, dog, y'all don't understand, man. I, I am moving. <laughs> like, I have no choice and I'm going hard. I'm seriously balls to the wall right now. Um, like, uh, coming, pff, bank accounts empty, credit cards ran up. Uh, it's, it's getting to the point where it's like, uh. You know, one of my boys told me, um, uh, uh, when your outcome is bigger than your income, your outkeep, your upkeep will be your downfall. So, and that's where I'm at right now, where I'm at my last little bit. And, you know, I've had people tell me, not really positive people in my life, kind of more so the people that kind of hate me. And uh, whether you believe it or not, I got a lot of people that hate me, a lot of people that want to bring me down. Shit I've done to people, I'm not perfect. Um, but you know, essentially, ah, uh, you should, you know, sell everything and just start all over, you know what I'm saying? Um, and Hey, they're about to get their wish. You know what I'm saying? I'll keep fighting though. I, I keep, I keep the faith. I know, I know God got my back. Sometimes you just, you know, got to keep pressing. So I'm going to hurry up cause, uh, we got these storms coming in and, um, it's, about to be crazy so i gotta get some stuff taken care of before these storms get in and then uh also i gotta uh, get my mind right for because honestly it's like uh like i can't i like i've been on interviews and it's like it's starting to get painful it's like i can't i can't mess up another interview man one more missed interview and that's 
that's pretty much it. Because you got to go through the whole background check and everything. And it's like, man, one more missed interviewing. <sighs> that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. When it's not over. I mean, life is not over. It's just starting from ground zero. You have to, you know, sell the home, sell my car. Just going to be right there. That's where we're going to be. And it's all good. You know, God got a plan and just going to stick to it. So let me go ahead um, get started in this book real quick. So one thing I was satisfied about was... um. Um, I was able to apply some of the knowledge that, you know, I was able to read a little bit about uh, with the fundamentals. So went to the stock market and, you know, uh, with the help of a buddy, you know, what I'm saying uh, kind of just like, you know, you know, that's why it's so helpful to have multiple people around. It's just a team of people, diversity and thought. It's a wonderful thing, you know, what I'm saying and not like confusion, not confusion or some people's motivational to be competitive and everything how much did you make today how much did i make today blah 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 that's not really my um that's not me that's not my style at all at all i'm constantly trying to learn and come up with nice solid consistent strategies i i've you know i I make so many mistakes and I'm trying to learn from my mistakes, constantly hit myself in the head. Like, come on, how could you mess that up? You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. And then, you know, have have positive days as well, too. But, you know, it's still just, you know, you know, even kill, even kill. Po- positive day, your analysis went, you know, in the direction you kind of thought it was. Negative day, not so, it's not a bad day, just your analysis. It didn't, the market didn't move in the way your analysis. And, um... And what did you learn? What did you learn? What did you see? You know, what would you do different? Uh, you know, different things. Order types, hedges, whatever. Whatever it was. Was it the the entry level, the entry price? You know, what was it? You know, you just learn from it. And one thing that you really learn about is greed. You know, when you start getting greedy, that's one thing that's like, yo, let me work on that at least. Let me try not to be greedy. You know what I'm saying? Um a lot of times you get caught up in greed when you have a huge gain and instead of taking some of the crop, some cream off the crop, you know what I'm saying, selling some shares or selling a lot or whatever, or, you know, um, you know, whatever it is, you know, sometimes we'll try to ride on it. I mean, could you imagine the people that were in Boeing yesterday that, I mean, I know they had huge gains. Boeing's been shooting up over the last couple of months and then some door flies off in the middle of the air and all of a sudden uh Boeing was down I can't remember about 13% yesterday or something like that and just imagine the investors that you know um that not necessarily are going to hold Boeing long term you know not those investors even even long term you could still have different strategies available again taking some cream off the top or something but the investors who were like, oh, man, shit, you know what I'm saying? Just as a day trade or something. Just as a, I don't know, day trade or swing trade or something. Again, I don't know what all these terms mean or whatever. Just a little bit. So just as a day trader or swing trader, they they got the funds. They made their money. You know what I'm saying? Boeing been doing well over the last couple of months. Tried to, you know, just guess, probably try to hold on to it, see if it goes up some more. Because, oh, is Boeing back? Uh, they're getting all these deals and everything. And then a the door flies off and it's like, oh, no, same old Boeing. You know, thank God nobody got hurt. I don't think, but um, 
here, let me go ahead and take a quick break. Um, and then we're going to come back and we're going to hop into this book real quick and then probably get ready to wrap things up. Uh, it's, it's about 8, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, January 9th, 2024. Thank you so much. I'm Chairman. This is House of Barf. Introducing the Listener Support Program, feeling the future and quality of House of Barf. Dear loyal listeners, at the House of Barf, we strive to bring you the most engaging, informative, and entertaining content every day into the world of business, accounting, regulation, and finance. We strive to provide you with expert knowledge, practical tips, and thought-provoking discussions to help you excel in your financial endeavors. We are dedicated to fostering meaningful conversations, sharing valuable insights, and creating a community of like-minded individuals who are passionate about business accounting, regulation, and finance. Producing high-quality content requires dedication, resources, and effort from a talented team of one, me, but in the future, you know, hopefully I'll have a team. That's why we are excited to introduce our listener support program. This initiative allows you, our cherished audience members, to play a pivotal role in shaping the future and the content and assuring House of Bar's sustainability. In the future, becoming a supporter, you'll be able to enjoy a range of exclusive benefits. Benefits that I'm hoping to be able to bring eventually, early access to episodes, um, access to episodes that are not, you know, public, uh, you know, that are not accessible to everyone, possibly even um, create better content. And then all those mistakes I make, maybe I'll put them in a separate episode. You'll be able to get some behind the scenes stuff um, uh, and other uh, exclusive um, um, things such as merchandise. Possibly I have, uh, you know, a children's book coming out, maybe able to offer that uh, your support goes directly towards enhancing the quality of our content, expanding our reach, our research and investing in new resources and technology to bring you even better experiences. Your contribution will help us continue to deliver thought-provoking discussions, captivating stories, and insightful inter... Oh, no, sorry. I didn't mean to say that. Um, may, in the future, may possibly interview someone. Uh, that will keep you engaged and inspired. Join me, us... In shaping the future of House of Barf by becoming a supporter today. Your generosity empowers us to keep our conversations alive and ensures that we can contribute to provide valuable content to audiences around the United States and hopefully in the future of the world. To support us, simply visit podcasters.spotify.com. Then you can get to House of Barf. Um, also, it is on Spotify. And um, support this podcast and become a supporter and choose a membership tier that aligns with your preferences. Every contribution, no matter how small or how big, makes a meaningful impact and is deeply appreciated. Thank you for being an essential part of our journey. With your support, we can reach new heights and create content that truly resonates with you, our incredible listeners. God bless. Happy listening. I'm Chan Man. This is House of Barf. Again, if you would like, you can visit 
podcasters.spotify.com backslash pod backslash show backslash chan hyphen man seven and you can go to support this podcast and become a supporter today thank you you can also reach me at c287gph at gmail.com thank you again you have a wonderful day god bless Yo, 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 what's good? It's Chairman House of Barf. All right, I'm about to go ahead and get back into this book, do a little bit of research before I get my day started. Um, uh, I believe last we left off on EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization. Oh, but yeah, it was really cool. Real quick, it was really cool yesterday. I was able to t- look at companies, and when I had a little bit of this knowledge, I'm not saying it's perfect, but I was able to look at companies like totally different, like looking at the fundamentals and and trust me, like throughout the years. Yes, I'll tell people. Yeah, I've been trading for years since damn near 16, 17, 18, definitely 18, but like a year or two before I turned 18. So 16, whatever. And I'm 36 now. So people be like, oh, you've been trading 15, 20 years. You should be rich, right? Fuck. No, I'm not. I'm in debt. I'm broke. It's not even good debt. It's like debt debt. It's like like credit score fucked up credit cards ran up debt you know what i'm saying so and it's like oh you know you should be rich or whatever blah 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 it's like nah dog i'm 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 really not you know what i'm saying i've just been doing these trades you know what i'm saying and it's just what i enjoy instead of putting my money in the bank i put it in the broker you know brokerage account occasionally make a trade uh i've been getting into more so day trading now because uh right now my job situation and essentially, if I don't make no bread, and the thing is, even when I make bread and I try to pull it out, I get taxed, early withdrawal penalties. The only thing that's saving me right now is a letter from my uh, my lender, my bank, whatever, about my mortgage, saying that um, my house is going into foreclosure. So um, that letter, you know, at the end of the year right now, actually, when I file my taxes, um uh, I'm gonna be able to give them that letter and let them know, like, hey, like I had to make some withdrawals, like, you know what I'm saying? And hopefully that letter will help me out, uh, you know, and give me like a early withdrawal or penalty withdrawal with like an exception or something. I don't know. I don't know how it go. You know what I'm saying? Um, homeboy of mine the other day told me, uh, you're expecting some sympathy from uh, the IRS. You got to be kidding yourself. You 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 know what the IRS spells theirs, okay? <laughs> so uh, you know we were just saying it's like it's all good, man. We're gonna get all this figured out. Right hand, I'm telling you, I know that I got this. People are talking about, well, why don't you take out a loan and trade? Like, I get it, I get it, I got it. You know, what I'm saying take out a big ass loan, trade, whatnot. I'm being honest. I truly do believe in God and I truly do have faith in God. And I know I'm not the best practicing Christian and all this, and I'm a hypocrite and I make, I'm lukewarm and God throws up. And if I was to die today, he wouldn't know me. I get it. I got it. You know what I'm saying? I'm working on it. You know what I'm saying? Um, And we're going to get there, but I truly have faith in God. And I truly believe that God's working with me and God's going to get me where I need to be. Things are actually Believe it or not, moving in a much positive direction, you know, um, personally, you know, but outside of me with like family and shit, it, it's, it's, it, it gets hectic and it gets, oh my gosh, the strain and the stress 
of all the dumb shit that you have to go through because of other people. Gosh, sometimes you ask yourself, how did I ever get in bed with this motherfucker? You know, but um, yeah, essentially, I'm just going to be peaceful. You know what I'm saying? Be cool. Um, and uh, just um, just let now when one thing, when you say I'm going to let God, you know, handle it or you hear people say you let God take the will or whatever. That does not mean, in my personal opinion, take your hands off the damn will. That's stupid. All right. No. Even Moses had to slam the staff down before the Red Sea split. God makes people put skin in the game, even if it's nothing. Hey, you carry the loaves. Hey, you carry that. Hey, you do that. It's not that God couldn't do it himself. But if God did everything for us, we'd have no skin in the game. There's so many times I'm pretty sure God could have just said, hey, I'll take care of all this. I got it. You know what I'm saying? It's nothing. But everybody would just kind of be sitting there just like, uh, oh, sure. You know, you know, Jesus got it. So that's why um, that's why a lot of people get concerned about technology because they like your technology is awesome. You know, what I'm saying it's amazing. But we're worried that what is this going to do for society? Like, you know, uh, for example, TikToks and YouTube shorts. Fantastic. We get to watch videos in 60 seconds. How is that going to affect our society in the future? You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, washer machines. Uh, fantastic. How did, how did that affect our society? Um, dishwashers. You know, just little things here and there that technology keeps coming, making life easier. But there are some concerns of like, what's that going to do for our society moving forward? Will people know how to wash dishes on their own? Will they know how to wash their clothes on their own? Will people learn how to hunt for themselves, considering that we can just go on our phones? Shit, I'm about to order my lunch because uh, um, I got I got a couple dollars in my account, you know, uh, right now. Not much, but I'm about to order my lunch uh, from my phone and have it sent to the house, you know, when when it's lunchtime. You know what I'm saying? And we could do this, but... What does that do for us? Are we just now just sitting there? Just um, I was I was watching this show. I think it was Invincible uh, on Amazon Prime. I think it was Invincible, and it's terrible. But there's this character that's like in a jar, like he's like just skin, like no bones or something, and it just makes you think. Like, is that where we're all gonna end up being? Just little like skin, just in a jar with robot legs and robot arms. You know what I'm saying? So that's why some people get concerned. But hey. Um, I will admit, I do love a good audio book. That's why I'm kind of blown. I don't have this book on audio because I would just put it on audio and then I would just sit there and chill and just listen to it or whatever. But let me go ahead and get into this real quick. Um, I don't think it's necessary to take another break. I don't think so. All right, let's get it. All right. Uh, I'm starting off with interest expenses. I believe we ended off with earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Uh, now going to interest expenses. All right. Interest expense. I'm going to try to make sure I pronunciate. <clears throat> How now brown cow? How now brown cow? <clears throat> Sorry. All right. Interest payments on corporations that are not considered an operation operating expense. Sorry. Interest payments on a corporation's debt are not considered operating expense. If I'm correct, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that would be. But okay, let's go. Interest payments reduce the corporation's taxable income. Pre-tax income, the amount of taxable income 
It's operating income less interest payments expenses. Okay, sorry. Pre-tax income. The amount of taxable income is operating income less interest payments expenses. Okay, okay. All right. Again, I got to read this stuff two or three times before I get it. And I, and I got to take notes and go over my notes. Like, And I'm not doing that right now. Right now, I'm just reading it. And then I'm also creating content. So it's just like I'm trying to read this and retain it. But I'm going to go back and read this stuff all over again. Just as long as I feel good giving this out to some people that may not have the opportunities to, you know, go get, you know, or don't even know where to begin. Like, I want to learn about the stock market. Where do I begin? And then you go to the store and you look at a book called Securities and you may walk right past it because it didn't even, you know, recollect or you didn't, you know, it didn't even hit your brain that stocks and bonds and everything are called Securities. You don't even know where to be begin. You're going off looking for a book called Stocks or something. You know what I'm saying? So let's just go ahead and keep going. All right. Net income after taxes. If dividends are paid to stockholders, they are paid out of net income. If dividends are paid, okay, out of net income after taxes have been paid. After preferred dividends have been paid, the remaining income is available to invest in the business or pay dividends to common stockholders. Let me see what's that. I'll read that one more time. Um, after preferred dividends have been paid, the remaining income is available to invest in the business or pay dividends to common stockholders. Interest payments reduce a corporation's taxable income. Whereas dividend payments to stockholders are paid with after-tax dollars. Okay, cool, cool. Okay, so so I guess interest was that is that pre-tax? Let me see. Reduce it over income. Okay, and then dividends are post-tax. So basically, we got our money. Taxes are paid. Blah blah blah. This is how much we got in profits. We're going to go ahead and split that up with our shareholders. All right, cool. All right, because they are taxable as income to stockholders, dividends are taxed twice. Boo. Boo. But interest payments are taxed once as income to the recipient. Okay. Earnings per share. Earnings per share is what remains after payments, after payment of interest, taxes, and preferred dividends. You see, I kind of didn't really understand that. You know, I know people always talk about earnings per share. What's the EPS? And it's like, uh, uh, that uh, it's uh, two or something. And it's just like, uh, this is how much we're paying per share for the earnings. Oh, okay. Uh, but now I understand earnings per share is what remains after payment of interest, taxes, and preferred dividends. Dividend net income after taxes, interest, and payment of preferred dividends by, oh, yeah. I'm sorry, I read that all wrong. Dividing net income after taxes, interest, and payment of preferred dividends by the number of common shares outstanding determines earnings per share. Okay, wow. Okay. The net income after taxes, interest, and payment of preferred dividends is divided by common shares outstanding determining the earnings per share. Okay, cool. All right, so you basically take everything, you know, after the taxes, interest, and everything. Okay, cool. This is how much they earned. And take the shares outstanding. So this is how much you're paying per the earnings. Woo! See, you get, sometimes people got to understand how my brain works. Sometimes I need shit, like, broken down like a blockchain. I don't even know what a blockchain is. 
but I assume it's like a block that builds on to another block and block, 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 and then it becomes a chain, a block chain. That's what I assume. Um, and that's how my brain kind of works. It's kind of like, so a lot of times when investing, you come over so much information. You know how many times people I realize be investing and don't even really understand what the bid and ask price is? I mean, they understand that this is like the buy price and this is like the sell price or whatever, but don't even really be understanding it. Don't even really be understanding the spread, nothing like that, which is nothing. There's no problem with that at all. You know what I'm saying? There's no problem with that at all. Uh, but there's so much times where we just comb over so much information, me included, years and years of information, years, just comb over information. Again, I've told you, look, I'm not, I'm not saying I've been trading for 15, 20 years. I'm the expert. No, it's just that I've been doing it for 15, 20 years. I'm not, it's, it's, it's nothing. It's like, have you had a bank account for 15, 20 years? You've been investing. You just, you've been investing in Bank of America, Wells Fargo, PNC, Fifth Third, whoever. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's, it, and does anybody go around, oh, you've had a bank account for 18 years. You should be rich. No, it's like, I'll, I'll admit if anything that I try to do with my investments, I try to beat the banks. That's that's my biggest goal. So, for example, if I put a couple thousand, you know, let's just say $10,000 in the bank and I'm getting, I don't know, a dollar a month. That's $12 a year. You can do the math. Um, that's all I'm trying to beat. I'm just trying to beat $12 a year. Now, on the other end, where I'm at right now. Uh, I'm trying to bring in a couple dollars daily so that I can try to pay some bills. That's the huge difference. Um, but if I had, if I go back to work or something, I'm just going to try to like supplement my income. You know, that's a big question with people is, you know, should I quit my job to go day trade? And I'm like, it's just different perspectives. Like, so if someone was like, we're, right now we're having a huge influx, uh, uh, influx or whatever of people who are 60, 70 going back to work. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's because they've been retired. They've traveled. They've been to Aruba 15 times. They've been to California 19 times. They've been to Atlanta 19 times. They, they're starting to go places like Wisconsin to go see a cheese factory. That's how much traveling they've done. It's like, hey, honey, you want to go to Montana and check out uh, the, I don't know, the this factory of... Um, trains or something i don't know you know and not to go see mount rushmore or whatever they've already been there they've done that you know what i'm saying they've already been to yellowstone you know what i'm saying and saw the the geyser that goes off every 75 minutes or whatever you know they've done it you know what i'm saying and i'm not i don't know all these people but i've talked to them you know i've talked to a few of them i'm that person that's like hey i heard you retired uh congratulations and they're like fuck off chan okay stop with all the pleasantries okay retirement sucks Okay, you know what retirement is? It's one second before your deathbed, all right? When you get retired, you don't retire. They retire you, all right? It's not what you think. It's not like this, oh, I've hit 30 years, and now I'm finally fucking retired, and I'm out of here. No, you get older, and next thing you know, they're starting to put the pressure on your ass to get the fuck out. That's what it is. And for the thing that you've been doing the last 30 years of your life, now it's over, and it's done. I would much rather be on your end of things where I'm trying to apply for jobs and instead of giving me that mid-level role, they're giving me the entry-level role and you're like, oh, shit, damn it. Oh, crap. 
beginning of your career. You got 30 years ahead of you before your retirement. I'd rather be on that end of things, not on this end of things. And it's like, oh, crap, my bad, dog. So, well, hey, what's next? I'm about to go to this fucking Cowboys Redskins game. And I got VIP seats in the Joe Gibbs uh, club section. Oh, that doesn't sound bad. Yeah, whatever. You know, like, you know, and then, then they're about to go to, you know, Seattle next, you know, and they're about to go to, you know, get lobster and in Maine or something. And they're, they're not satisfied. You know what they're more satisfied about? Not all retirees. You know, a lot of retirees are more satisfied about the fucking FBI, you know, coming to P- Prince George's County so that they could apply for a job. That's, so that's why when people are like, hey, should I quit my job to go day trade and all that? I'm like, nah, dog, you really shouldn't. Like, it's just different perspectives. When these people go back to work, they don't go back to work with the same perspective we have. They go back to work with the perspective of more so they're kind of in control. They, I mean, not, not in control, but they're in control of their situation. If they want to work for a year, they can work for a year. If they want to get a contract, they can get a contract. They want to work for three years. They can work for three years. If they want to work entry level, they work entry level. They want to apply for a more mid-level, upper-level position because they got all the experience. They'll apply for those positions. If they don't get the job, they don't get the job. If they want to be part of the board, they can try to be part of the board. You know what I'm saying? Whatever. Not saying everybody, but this is kind of their more perspective. On our perspective, you know, on the other end, we're broke as fuck, and we have no control of our situation. If I don't get this job... My children don't fucking eat. I'm one second away from, you know, asking God for forgiveness before I commit something. You know, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. Like this. I'm on the other end. I'm on the other end where, you know, my manager comes up to me and says, hey, happy Martin Luther Coon Day. And I have to sit there and say, <laughs> that's so funny. Martin Luther Coon Day. Creative. And I have to smile and just go with it because if I don't smile, then this manager is going to sit there and be like, oh, he's not part of the clique. He's not part of the crew. You know what I'm saying? What's up in his ass? You know, what is it? Negative Nancy, you know, and then I got to, I you know, and then you're not part of the clique. And then next thing you know, for the next year or two, they're going to try to have, you know, dump a bunch of work on you. You you knock the work out. So they dump more work on you, more responsibilities, more responsibilities, more promotions, just to get your ass fired. They, you have to play the whole game. So that's where the more mindset comes in with the day trading. Where it's like, it's a difference if, let's say, for example, I don't know. I don't know what it is. The World Bank or something. World Bank calls me up. I don't even know if these are real companies. Let me see. I believe the World Bank is a real company. Let me see real quick. I want to see. I don't even know what the World Bank does. Let me see what the World Bank What does the World Bank do? Let me see. Sorry. What does the World Bank do? According to World Bank, together, IBRD and IDA form the World Bank, which provides financing, policy advice, and technical assistance to governments of developing countries. IDA focuses on the world's poorest countries, while IBRD assists middle-income and creditworthy poorer countries. Okay. Now, I don't know what IDA and IBRD stand for. Let me see. I want to look that up real quick. The International Let's see. The International Bank of Reconstruction and Development. Okay, and then what is IDA? 
the International Development Association. Okay, cool. So they make up the World Bank and they help, it appears, poor countries, I guess, get things together. So I'm sitting there, you know what I'm saying, day trading, making money, doing all right, and make, you know, you know, su- su- surviving. World Bank, hey, Chan, we just want to talk to you. You know, we heard House of Barf, you know, and we just want to talk to you about what do you think about economics in the poorest countries and what can we do and blah, 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 whatever they do. I don't know what they do. All right. I sit there and I say, hey, listen, let me call you back. I'm putting this trade in. NVIDIA is going crazy. I'm about to do a triple leverage, triple short, high short, butterfly condor. Okay. Give me a second. All right. I'll call you back 48 hours. All right. I call them back 48 hours later. I'm sitting there. (coughs) What do you want? You know, and they say, hey, Chan, we think we're really interested in your philosophies or whatever. And I say, okay, continue. And then they say, you know what? We'd like to bring you in. I'm like, sure. As what? You know, we'd like to bring you in, you know, uh, in the, I don't know, whatever role. And if you could just help, you know, we've got a couple countries we'd like you to set up the economics for. I say, okay, let me call you back in another 48. You know, and then you call them back and you say, sure, you know what? I'll take the role. All right. But listen here, I'm not coming into the office. I'm not working more than three days a week. And and you got to pay me. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. And you state your number and you say, and I want unlimited PTO and I want health benefits out the wazoo, dental, visual, whatever. all therapies, whatever you want in there, everything's in there. All right. You put it all in there and they come back to you and tell you either yes or no, you know what I'm saying? Whatever it is. And then you say, okay, cool. Sorry. It didn't work out. And you get back to your trading or they say, sure thing, anything you want, just come on in and you say, cool. I'll be there Monday. You know what I'm saying? And you show up and you're cool about it. You set up your portfolio for, um, you know, because you're not going to be able to focus on it. So your trades are probably going to be a little bit different. You may not be able to do the speculative day trades that you were doing or whatever swing trader. You may have to, you may have to, I don't know. You may have to change it up. So you get your portfolio ready for you to get back in the office. You show up to the office, you do work. You're not stressed. Okay. You know, you're not stressed. You're, you're cool. It's like, okay, what's going on compared to the other end? Where you're sitting there day trading to try to survive. You get it. I don't think I even got to continue. You're sitting there. You're trying to survive. You're trying to make $200 a day so that you can pay your mortgage or you can pay, get groceries. You're applying for different loans and all this shit. You put in an application for the World Bank. They call you back. Hey, we just got your resume and we would like to, we'd like to just sit down and talk to you for 10, 15 minutes. You're sitting there, you're sitting there like, Hey, Hey, yes. Yeah. I'm super chippery and I'd be a great asset to the culture in your office. Yeah. And they're like, Hey, okay. This guy's super chippery, you know? And then you just keep doing all that. They say, you know, Hey, we'll offer you this position. Oh, great. All right. Fantastic. How much are you going to pay me? $40,000. Oh, great. Sounds fantastic. Benefits? No. PTO, little. Okay, great. Sounds fantastic. I'll be there right now. You know, it's just like, it's just two different perspectives in my personal opinion. And I think once you day trade and travel and do everything you want and achieve, 
you've done, you've done, you've been every country in Africa, you know, you've visited Djibouti and Tanzania or whatever, and you've even met some of the tribes and, and you had fun and you've done so much. I think you're more willing to get back to work and, um, and there's different work. You could even podcast if you wanted, or you could even write speeches and go around and give speeches. Look at Neil Tyson DeGrasse or whatever his name is. I, all I feel like he does now is talk. I, I mean, speech. I'm, he's probably hella busy. I'm not trying to be rude. He's probably hella busy. But I feel like he's going around just speeching right now. You know, what is Barack Obama, pre, former President Barack Obama doing right now? I'm pretty sure he's just going around speeching right now. You know, so so many different things you can do. It's just more so, I think it's all perspective. I really, truly, I'm sorry, I'm going on tangent real quick. I really think everything really comes down to perspective. Uh, I was just listening to someone talk. Um, uh, gosh, darn. They were just talking about that, how uh, it's something like perspective is from inside out. And it's like perception or something. It's from like outside, like you can, it's something like that. I can't even remember, but I really think it's perspective on how you approach the situation. I think we're all a little tired of working. I think we're all a little done. I think we're all a little burnt. You know, we're tired of drinking through a fire hose and trying to, you know, make ends meet. We're all tired of it. It's starting to get to us. You know what I'm saying? That's why they're like, you know, we're just going to get AI. But all right, let me get back to this book. Let me take a quick break. Okay. I went off on tangent. We're going to get back to this book real quick. Thank you so much to everybody decided to stop by. I'm Chad Man, and this is House of Barf. I am thrilled to introduce you to an exciting new storybook journey that I believe will capture your imagination. Allow me to present Langston Mangston's Kulamate Stand Adventure, a compelling short story that promises to transport you to a world of interest, excitement, and learning. The title of the book is Langston Mangston's Kulamate Stand Adventure by Chandler Hayes. In a world of colorful imagination and captivating stories, a new children's book has emerged to empower our young minds with crucial life lessons, life skills, and financial literacy. Langston Mangston's Kulamate Stand Adventure is a cheering short story written by a talented black author who understands the importance of equipping our youth in the early stages of life with the tools they need to navigate the realm of money, savings, and smart choices. Meet Langston Mingston and his imaginary best friend, Zonky, a pink elephant, two curious souls who embark on an adventure around the vibrant landscape of Wichita, Kansas, where Langston Mingston sets out to accomplish multiple goals and is met with obstacles that he must overcome. Langston Mangston and Zonky discover valuable lessons of talking about finances in the home in order to gain knowledge. Langston Mangston, with a little bit of confidence, the guidance of supportive parents, the help of community members like Mr. Tiller, and his imaginary best friend Zonky, Langston Mangston learns about the value of money and how to save, the importance of making thoughtful spending decisions, the significance of thinking outside the box when met with challenges, with money and the joys of sharing with others through relatable experiences and emerging and, and engaging storytelling young readers are introduced to the fundamental concepts of money such as earning saving and spending responsibly Langston Mangston set savings goals 
teaching children the importance of planning for future needs and dreams. The book celebrates diversity and the different perspectives on money, shedding light on its role in different people's lives. The characters' interactions emphasize the joys of serving others, the gift of sharing, and making a positive impact in their community. The pages of Langston Mingston's Coolamated Stand Adventure come to life with vibrant illustrations. The colorful and imaginative visuals not only captivate young readers, but also enhance their understanding of complex financial concepts. Langston Mingston's Coolamated Stand Adventure is coming soon to bookstairs and online realtors. It is a must-have addition to any child's library, fostering essential life skills while sparking the joy of reading. Empower the young minds in your life with the gift of financial literacy and imagination. Join Langston Mingston, Zonky, family, and friends on their extraordinary journey of running a drink stand to set them on the path of a brighter future. Your opinion means a great deal to me. I would be honored if you would consider exploring Langston Mingston's Coolamade Stand Adventure and sharing your thoughts. Your feedback could play an invaluable role in shaping the future of this project. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to discuss the book further, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Your support in spreading the word about Langston Mingston's Coolamade Stand Adventure would mean the world to me, and I deeply appreciate your consideration. I am a passionate advocate for financial literacy. Me, um, Chandler Hayes, um, and and am excited to join the community of storytellers with a background in finances. I am driven to inspire children to embark on their own adventures of learning and discovery through the power of literature. Langston Mingston's Coolamay Stand Adventure is a heartfelt endeavor to promote financial literacy in a fun and accessible way. As a black author, I'm committed to providing children of all backgrounds with the tools for success, and I am proud to contribute to a more financially informed generation. Thank you for taking the time to explore this advertisement, and I look forward to the possibility of sharing this extraordinary literature adventure with you. Please feel free to contact me. Uh, you can reach me at the email c 287 gph at gmail.com all right thank you warmest regards have a great day god bless yo 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 all right let's get back to this book all right we went over earnings per share all right to determine earnings per share divide earnings available to common by the number earnings available to common by the number of shares outstanding uh, Almagated Widgets has 4.5 million shares outstanding with its earnings available to common of 9 million. Earnings per share is 2. Oh, great. It was really cool kind of applying some of this knowledge to uh, the market yesterday. I was kind of like just looking at companies. And when you look at the companies and you compare them to like other companies in the same industry, you start noticing like, oh, shit. You, you can start determining kind of like the price that a stock is going to jump up to or drop down to because you're like, yo, you know, a little bit, you know, I don't got it all down packed, but the price to earnings and the earnings per share and all that and the shares outstanding and, you know, I look, uh, a little bit of the float and 
you know, uh, the sizzle, the call sizzle, whatever, uh, the implied volatility. You take all this information and now you start looking at companies and you're like, yo, I think this company is probably going to jump to about $90. I think it's going to have approximately about a 25% increase based on the earnings per share, based on the price to earnings. You know what I'm saying? I, and I think 90 would be a good, good price. And when I say that is I was looking at a company called Shopify. And um, right now, or yesterday was at about, don't quote me, it was about 75 bucks. Uh, and I was looking at all the information and uh, comparing it to other companies in this industry. Uh, what was another one I was looking at? Um, and I was like, I'm kind of bullish on Shopify real quick. And then uh, what was the other company I was looking at? Was it IBM? And I was comparing it to uh, uh, some other companies that were in this industry as well. I can't remember all the names. A couple of them were some Indian uh, companies. Uh, and then another one, ticker symbol was ACN. I can't remember all the names. I uh, apologize. But you start looking at it and you're like, yo, I think IBM could have possibly a breakout. I think its earnings, uh, it's, um, its earnings hasn't really changed much. It's mainly maintained its same revenue. I think its revenue is like $55 billion a year. Uh, the earnings have pretty much bottomed out. I mean, I really feel like I really feel like it's one way from here. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I could be wrong. It could just range. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not sure if IBM. It's been ranging for 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, but I do think now, um, in one way, one of my boys just described it as IBM is entering now into the profit in- industry. You know, probably for the longest, they were just more so technology, research, development or whatever. But now possibly they're going to start trying to profitize or something uh, their their technology. You know what I'm saying? Because they're, now they're in comp- competition with people like Apple, Google, uh, Meta. And these companies are, you know, profitizing or whatever, all their stuff. So I'm just going to keep going. All right, retained earnings, earned surplus, are earnings not paid out in dividends? Okay, retained. Okay, great. Footnotes. Footnotes to a company's financial statement identify significant financial and management issues that may affect the company's overall performance. Footnotes, which can sometimes be lengthy and numerous, are generally found at the bottom of the financial statements and will address accounting methods used pending litigation, and management philosophy, among other significant items. What is this on? This is on the bottom of what? Financial statements? All right, bet. I need to see that. Because, like, you know what I'm saying? I want to know. Are you in court like me? What you got going on, bro? You know what I'm saying? Oh, shit. Me too. Hey, we got. we going to get through this. As long as we got God, we going to be all right. All right. Financial ratios and analyzing corporate equity. Figures from the balance sheet or income statement can be expressed as ratios. Financial ratios allow an analyst to compare a company's performance to its past performance and to the performance of other companies within the industry, within its industry. Some comparisons provide a more thorough understanding of a company's financial strengths and weaknesses. Capitalization ratios. Analysts can assess the risk of a company going bankrupt by studying the amount of leverage, the proportionate amount of long-term debt, in its overall capitalization, long-term debt plus equity. Okay, okay, I like that. When assessing a company's capitalization, 
Analysts use ratios that express the percentage of capitalization composed of long-term debt, common stock, and preferred stock. The following four ratios are commonly used to assess the stability of a corporation's capitalization. Debt-to-equity ratio equals total long-term debt divided by total shares equity, shareholders' equity. Bond ratio. So I'm sorry, let me rethink. Debt to equity ratio. Total long-term debt divided by total shareholders equity. So the long-term debt is divided by uh total shares, total shareholders equity. I'm assuming how much the company brought in by shareholders after, I'm assuming, I don't know, taxes and whatnot. I'm not sure. A bond ratio, debt ratio, uh equals long-term liabilities divided by total capitalization. Common stock ratio, common stock shareholders equity divided by total capitalization. Preferred stock ratio, preferred stock divided by total capitalization. Leverage, leverage is the use of long-term debt financing to increase earnings. The debt to equity ratio provides a common measure of leverage. More debt may lead to a greater EPS but may also increase risk to the common stockholders. A company with disproportionately high amount of debt may not be able to meet its interest obligations during a business downturn. Low debt-to-equity ratios are considered more conservative than high debt-to-equity ratios. The debt... Let me see. Are considered more conservative. Okay. The debt-to-equity ratio is similar to the bond ratio which compares total long-term debt to total capitalization rather than to shareholders' equity. The bond ratio or debt ratio measures the percentage of total capitalization provided by the long-term debt financing. The common stock ratio measures the percentage of total capitalization contributed by common stockholders, including the stock's par value, amount paid for stock in excess of par, and retained earnings. The preferred stock ratio means the percentage of total capitalization from preferred stock. Take note, the capitalization of a company is calculated from its balance sheet. Add the long-term debt and the equity net worth to to calculate a company's total capitalization. High leverage companies have greater capital risk. So leverage is a wonderful thing, but it's like, okay, this is why people say don't trade on too much leverage. You know what I'm saying? Because, um, like, there's this triple leverage fund that I know about, the TQQQ, uh, and I found it on accident. Someone told me, yo, you should you should invest in triple Q. So I literally, I was like, triple Q. I typed in triple Q. I didn't realize that triple Q meant QQQ. Uh, Invesco's, uh, was it NASDAQ 100 or something? And I typed in triple QQQ and TQQQ came up. I was in TQQ for a while. Didn't realize that during turmoil times, and you don't want to be in leveraged funds. It could be very bad. It just happened that TQQQ, I was fortunate that it did well during the time I invested in it. Um, So I don't really see the big deal with it. Not yet. But uh, during, I guess, during turmoil because you're not able to meet those debts, it's very possible that, you know, the investment may go down. Uh, liquidity ratios. 
Liquidity ratios measure a firm's ability to meet its current financial obligations. Working capital, though not a ratio, is the amount of liquid assets available to pay for short-term obligations. It is calculated as follows. Working capital equals current assets minus current liabilities. Okay, bad. Current assets minus working capital. All right. Because working capital is a dollar amount, it does not by itself allow analysts to compare companies. The current ratio, on the other hand, compares current assets with the company's current financial obligations, regardless of the company's size or business. Current ratio equals current assets divided by current liabilities. Another measure of liquidity is quick assets, which subtracts unsold inventory, a current let's see, a current asset from our current assets because inventory is not as liquid as quick to convert to cash. I'm sorry. Another measure of, I'm sorry, I got to read that again. Another measure of liquidity is quick assets, which subtracts unsold inventory, a current asset from other current assets because inventory is not as liquid. Okay, great. As cash receivables. Okay. Analysts use assets instead of, I'm sorry, I didn't, if I didn't finish reading that. Inventory is not as liquid as quick to convert to cash as cash or receivables. Analysts use quick assets instead of current assets to calculate asset test ratio. The asset test ratio, also called the quick ratio, is a more stringent measure of a company's liquidity than its current ratio. The quick assets in asset test ratio equations are as follows. Quick assets equal current assets minus inventory. Asset test ratio equals quick assets divided by current liabilities. The, the cash assets ratio is the most stringent, stringent measure of a company's liquidity. Cash asset ratio equals cash and equivalents equal, I mean, divided by current liabilities. Let me see. Debt service ratio. The debt service ratio reflects a company's ability to meet the principal and interest payments on its bonds. Debt service ratio equals EBIT, earnings before interest and taxes, I believe, divided by annual interest plus principal payments. Asset coverage ratio. The asset coverage ratio measures the ability of a company to meet its outstanding debt obligations with its assets oh okay the ratio factors both tangible and monetary assets against the outstanding debt generally the higher the ratio the better the picture of financial health is for the company in this light the ratio is an analytical tool that allows investors to predict future earnings and to assess if any insolvency risk might be present one caution regarding use of the ratio is that it uses book value when valuing the assets, which may or may not be reflective of their actual worth if liquidated. I'm sorry. Wait, let me see. Um, I got I to gotta go over that again real quick. The asset coverage ratio measures the ability of a company to meet its outstanding debt ob obligations with its assets. Yes. The ratio factors both tangible 
Ah, goodness gracious. Uh, stuff is going off. Uh, the schools are going crazy. Okay. All right. Sorry. Um, the schools are sending a bunch of messages uh, preparing for the storm that's supposed to be coming in. Uh, the ratios factor both tangible and monetary assets against the outstanding debt. Okay, tangible and monetary asset against outstanding debt. Okay, Gen generally, the higher the ratio, the better the picture of financial health is for the company. Okay, great. In this light, the ratio is an analytical tool that allows investors to predict the future earnings and to assess if any insolvency risk might be present. One caution regarding the use of rate of the ratio is that it uses book value when valuing the assets, which may or may not cause reflective of their which may or may not be reflective of their actual worth if liquidated. As with all ratios, the asset coverage ratio presents a picture that is a snapshot in time and is best utilized with other analytical ratios and tools in order to get a clearer picture of a company's financial strengths or weaknesses. Additionally, different industries have different acceptable norms as to what the ratio should be. For example, industries tend to have higher asset coverage ratios than utilities. Industrials, I'm sorry. For example, industrials tend to have a higher asset coverage ratio than utilities. Book value per share. In a liquidation, a company sells its tangible assets and uses the proceeds to pay creditors and stockholders. Potential investors want to know how the value of tangible assets, also known as net tangible asset value, compares to the size of the company's debt and equity. The book value of a company's assets, the amount at which they can are carried on the books, okay, is determined by deducting all liabilities and preferred stock from the company's total tangible assets. Dividing this figure by the number of shares of common stock shows how much a company's assets are worth, assuming they are sold for their book value per share. Assets minus liabilities minus intangibles minus par value of preferred stock divided by shares of common stock outstanding equals book value per share. Valuation ratios. Valuation ratios are used by analysts to compare companies within an industry as well as different industries. Earnings per share. Among the most widely used statistics, EPS measures the value of a company's earnings for each common share. EPS equals earnings available to common divided by number of common shares outstanding. Earnings available to common are the remaining earnings after the preferred dividend has been paid. Earnings per share relate to common stock only. Preferred stockholders have no claims to earnings beyond the stipulated preferred stock dividends. Earnings per share after dilution. If a corporation has rights, warrants, convertible preferred stock or convertible convertible bond outstanding, the EPS could be diluted by an increase in the number of shares of common outstanding. That is, if the same amount of earnings available to common stockholders were allocated to more shares of stock, earnings would be less for each share. 
EPS is something called primary earnings per share or basic earnings per share. To, di to differentiate it from earnings after dilution, earnings per share after dilution assumes that all convertible securities have been converted into the common because of tax adjustments. The calculations for figuring earnings per share after dilution can be complicated. Dividends per share. The dividends per share is simply the dollar amount of cash dividends paid on each common share during the year. Dividends per share equals annual cash dividends divided by the number of common shares outstanding. The crazy thing is dividends per share makes sense to me and it's helping make sense of the other ones. Earnings per share and all that stuff. So it's, you know, when you first see it or hear it, you're kind of like, oh my gosh, you know what I'm saying? But when I heard dividends per share, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. It's just basically how much, you know, the company probably paid in dividends. Uh, and then it says, what, per share or something like that during the year. That makes sense to me because I think I understand dividends a little bit better. All right. Uh, going to take just a quick break uh, real quick and uh, we'll get right back at it. I want to thank everybody who decides to stop by. Actually, here, we may not take a break because we're right here at the end of the chapter. One sec. All right. So, yeah, let's go ahead and knock this chapter out real quick. Uh, current yield, dividend yield, a common stock's current yield, like the current yield on bonds, express the annual dividend payout as a percentage of the current stock price. Current yield equals annual dividends per common share divided by market value per common share. Besides, well, I'm also going to read a chapter on, uh, on bonds because I do want to work on my bonds this year as well. Uh, I want to take it to the next level other than just holding to maturity. I actually want to figure out how to trade bonds. You know what I'm saying? All right. Dividend payout and dividend retention ratio. The dividend payout ratio measures the proportion of earnings paid to stockholders as dividends. Dividend payout ratio equals annual dividends per common share divided by earnings per share. Okay. Dividend payout ratio and dividend retention ratio. Okay. All right. In general, older companies pay out larger percentages of earnings as dividends. Utilities as a group have especially high payout ratio. Growth companies normally have lowest, the lowest ratios because they reinvest their earnings into the business. Companies on the way up hope to reward stockholders with gains in the stock value rather than with high dividend income. The dividend retention ratio is the com complement of the dividend payout ratio. The percentage of earnings that is not paid out in the form of dividends would be the remaining percentage of earnings retained by the company for future use. Price to earnings ratio. The widely used price to earnings ratio, PE ratio, provides investors with a rough idea of the relationship between the price of different common shares compared with the earnings that accrue to one share of stock. P.E. ratio equals current market price of common share divided by earnings per share. Growth companies usually have higher P.E. ratios than cyclical companies. Investors are willing to pay more per dollar of current earnings if a company's future earnings are expected to be dramatically higher than earnings for stocks that rise and fall within business cycles. 
Companies subject to cyclical fluctuations generally sell at lower PE ratios or lower PEs. Declining industries sell at lower PEs. Investors should be aware of extremely high and extremely low PEs. Speculative stocks often sell at one extreme or the other. If a stock's market price and PE ratio are known, the earnings per share can be calculated as follows. EPS equals current market price of common stock divided by PE ratio. That's kind of confusing. Oh, oh, the earnings per share. Okay, earnings per share could be calculated that way. Okay, cool. Inventory turnover ratio. Inventory turnover ratio is a measure of efficiency regarding the management of inventory within a business or company. It is considered to be relatively relative measure within a particular industry where comparison between two companies in the same industry or business or comparison of one company to an acceptable industry norm would be a useful analytical tool comparing two companies in dissimilar industries would have no value. In general, the higher the ratio value, the better the management of inventory is perceived to be. The lowest, the lower the ratio is the more it indicates potential inefficiencies in the handling of inventory. Consider that a lower inventory turnover ratio may be an indication of overstocking. This can increase inventory handling costs and inventory risk that the inventory may become obsolete before it can be sold. However, a ratio that is too high by comparison could result in lost sales due to inventory shortages. Understandably, it would be expected that industries delaying Oh my goodness. Uh I got I got these schools are reaching out. Uh the Dealing in perishable goods will have higher inventory turnover ratios than those dealing in durable goods. Uh, and it's nothing important. They're just keeping us uh, aware of how things are going uh, at the school. They Let me see. They may just be saying, look, I don't even know why y'all dropped them off in the first place. Come get them. You know, like, uh, I don't even know what we be thinking sometimes. Because literally, as soon as we drop them off, they're like, yo, come get them. All right. But that's really the end of the chapter. If y'all want to go ahead, here's a couple of test questions if you want to play around with them. Uh, here, I'll give y'all a test question. Um, what is the difference? Is this technical analysis or is this fundamental? Let's get it. Concerned with the overall economy. Hmm? I'm just going to take a wild guess and say that's fundamental. Uh, interested in corporate annual reports. Uh, fundamental. Concerned with daily trading volumes on the New York Stock Exchange. That's technical. All right, cool. I don't know what the answers are. They're in the back of the book somewhere. Uh, forget about it. All right. Here's another question. A fundamental analyst is concerned with all of the following except. Oh, man. Ah, oh, goodness. I'm going to tell you. Oh my gosh, that test question just blew my brain. Oh my gosh, I hate these test questions. You don't understand. One thing I learned about taking this this exam, the general securities exam, yes, you got to have a lot of knowledge, but dog, sweetheart, it has nothing to do with knowledge. 
it, it does. You got to know your, 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 your materials. You got to know your product knowledge, that too. But when I took this exam, I had a tutor. So long story. Okay. Chandler story time. All right, here we go. All right. So I graduate from Prince George's Community College, right? All right. I'll even go one back. I went to high school, right? Was never really a school person. Never really wanted to go to school. Always hated school. Typical behavior of, you know, I guess teenagers, whatever. Not all teenagers, but some of us. Didn't like school. Didn't want to go to school. I always just wanted to start working. I shoveled driveways when I was younger. Um, didn't really cut grass. Was never really good at it. Um, but I shoveled driveways. Did little things here and there to try to make some money. So, um, never really wanted to go to school. So, at Bowie High School, had this class called SAT Prep. Man, this teacher hated me. I'm not even sure if she was just a mean lady or she just hated me. So she used to either call me or my parents every day to be like, I want to let you know your son didn't show up to class today. I'm like, duh, I already told you. I'm going to Prince George's. So I never took the SATs. I told her, I sat there and I said, look, I had this pamphlet. I said, look at this lady. All right. Oh. So she would reach out to me, and when I gave her this pamphlet, that's when she reached out to my parents. It was like, you know what your son just told me? And and um, she was pissed. One second. Let me take a sip of my bev. It's Welch's grape juice. So pull out this pamphlet. And in this pamphlet, it says, you can basically just get accepted to Prince George's all day, every day. You're, if you're 16 years old or 17, whatever, um, whatever. I mean, essentially, you can get accepted to Prince George's. And then if you do successful at Prince George's, if you get like a 3.8, 3.9 or something, um, there's a transfer program. You can go to the University of Maryland College Park. So I'm like, ma'am. Stop bugging me, okay? I don't need to make it. And this SAT prep class was uh, like my last class of the day. You know what I'm saying? So there was no need for me even after the class before. There was no need. I was gone. I don't even know. I got, you know, I know how I got around. Uh, <laughs> those are the good old days. I, I have an older face, okay? People always call me dad or granddad since I was young. You know what I'm saying? Uh, just joking around. But so having the older face, uh, I hung out with older kids, older teenagers, and they used to always get me around. Um, or maybe it wasn't my older face. Maybe they just liked hanging out with me. I just assumed that everybody always thought I was a senior and I wasn't. I was, you know, I was like a freshman, you know, whatever. But so give the lady this pamphlet, say, listen, ma'am, I'm not coming to your class Ever. Do you understand this? I'm not going to some four-year university to spend a bunch of money to get a degree that ain't going to do shit for me. And I, and I totally could be wrong about this, you know, but I was like, fuck that. All right. The only reason why I'm going to college is because I already got into a huge ass argument with my parents 
that I told him that I wasn't going to college. You know when you're a kid and you just say shit? Oh, yeah, after high school, I'm not going to college. And it blew up, and it went bad. And it basically turned into it was an argument. You're going to college, and if you don't go to college, look out the window. What do you see? The street? That's where you're going to be. It, it turned. It, it got bad. It got bad. So I said, all right, fine. I'm done arguing with y'all. Y'all want me to go to college? I'll go to college, right? Told y'all, I'm... I'm 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 not, you know, I'm a regular person. I'm 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 a little kid from the herbs, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, from you know, I'm out here in the trees, squirrels. When I wake up, I open my window, I hear birds chirping, tweet, tweet, tweet. But is I'm not rich or anything. It's just it's just you know, it's just is what it is, you know. Um I'm second generation college. Um uh, my parents were first generation, I'm second generation. Um and I have an older sibling. They went to college as well. So they're, you know, we're first, we're second generation uh, college educated people. Um, so I already said the only reason why I am going to college, because I have my eyes, I'll tell you, I have my eyes on selling, I'll tell you, selling candy. I, I know people laugh, selling candy. What the fuck? Selling candy. I have my eyes on selling candy. And there was a couple other adventures that I was working on. But one of them was selling candy. I wanted to go into competition with the local grocery stores, you know, the Giants, the, um, the you know, the 7-Elevens, the, uh, the candy stores in the malls. I wanted to go in competition with them. You know, I wanted to sell candy. You know, Mars, Hershey's. I wanted to go in competition with them. I think I do a really good job. That's what I had my eyes set on, right? Had my eyes set on it. I was going to get a job probably at Shell Gas Station. Or at the local giant, something, save up my checks. Um, I already had a warehouse. that This was before I knew about Costco's or Samco's or anything. I didn't know about them. But there was this warehouse. I already knew about it. It was in this city, I believe called, uh, I believe it was in C. Pleasant, if I'm correct. It was this warehouse. Uh, I don't even remember. I think it was a Caucasian guy that ran it. Um, uh, was it in C. Pleasant? I believe it was in C. Pleasant. And um, had a bunch of, like, candy and stuff in it. Different shit. You know what I'm saying? So, I was going to save up my paychecks. I was going to make a connection with this guy. Me and this guy started making a connection. You know what I'm saying? Because um, I would purchase candy from him, and I would actually take it to school and sell it at school. So, me and him actually were building this connection. He's like, dude, you can do this. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're here. You're here Two, three times a week. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, yeah, I'm just having a good time. So I had my heart already set. I was good. I'm moving forward. All right? Nothing's going to stop me now. All right? So give the teacher this pamphlet. Tell him, look, sorry, sweetheart, beautiful lady. I'm not taking the SATs. This lady gets furious. Right? I don't even know where I'm going to this story. I already lost my train of thought. Uh only reason I'm going to college is because I got in this huge ass argument with my parents. They f- telling me basically you're going to college and that is what it is. All right. Um, uh, I-, I forgot where I was going. I totally lost my train of thought. Essentially, but she calls my parents. She tells my parents that do you know your son is skipping my class every day um, because he says that he's not going to take the SAT because he's going to go to Prince George's Community College. I said, yeah, I said that it is what it is. That's what I'm doing. 
you know? So get to Prince George's Community College. I don't even, I totally forgot what I was talking about. Regardless, one thing I can say about getting to Prince George's Community College, one thing I did mess up on, the placement exam. I didn't take the placement exam. There's this exam you had to take so they can figure out where you're going to be. Uh, I went in there. I clicked a bunch of buttons. They say, you know, my whole like first semester was like real, not even one on ones. They were like one hundreds. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like kindergarten for college kids for, you know what I'm saying? It's like you don't even get a, a grade. You get a, either a P or a F. You either get a pass or a fail. You know what I'm saying? Um, um, crap. Totally forgot where I was going with it. With it, with it. Um, oh, um, what was I talking about? Uh, but essentially, whatever. I get to, I, I got out of Prince George's. I ended up going to the University of Maryland, got out of there. Um, but um, these test questions. I had a mentor. Uh, oh, real quick. All right. So, go to Prince George's, have a fantastic time. I wish it was four years. It's only two. Had a fantastic time at Prince George's. Um, get out of Prince George's, uh, go to the University of Maryland, and um, graduate. Uh, long story behind that, too. I was trying to apply to be part of the Robert B. Smith program, and they said, all oh, your GPA isn't perfect, and you need to go ahead and study something else, and just to let you know that criminology lines along with every class you've taken. So really, you're really already graduated. All you need to do is take like four criminal justice classes and you're pretty much done. So that's really all I did at College Park, Maryland was take electives and a couple of criminology classes. And that's it. You know what I'm saying? I had all business, all business finance classes because that's all I took at Prince George's because that's what I wanted to study, business and finance. If I was going to go to college, then I'm going to study something I want to study. I study a bunch of business and finance classes. Um, so I took all types of math classes. Um, I took all that at Prince George's. So I was ready, ready to go to University of Maryland, graduate from the Robert B. Smith program, uh, which is a business program. And we out of here, baby. And uh, they were like, nah, dog, uh-uh. This isn't the way it's going to go now. You're not just going to be able to graduate from the, our Robert B. Smith program, just coming here chilling, taking a bunch of electives. You're going to have to work for it. I said, all right, damn, what do I got to do? Either you got to get your GP up over 4.0 or 4.0 or above. I said, that ain't going to happen. Uh, that's going to take me. I mean, look, I, I, I didn't have nothing bad. I had like a 3.8. It was nothing bad. You know what I'm saying? But I was like, yo, that's going to take another year or two just to get from a 3.8 to a 4. You know what I'm saying? And so what else can I do? So they said, all right, you can um, just change your major. I said, change my major to what? They said, you know, we're lining them up with other majors. Criminal, criminal justice criminology, actually, you've taken all the classes. Only thing you haven't taken is three or four um, criminology classes, and then you're pretty much done. And I said, cool, I'm out of here. You know what I'm saying? And then I took a bunch of elective classes, um, like health uh, uh, I actually, t uh, I took an LGBTQIA, or no, at the time it was just LGBT. I took one of those classes. It was available. I know people ask me all the time. What would, you? uh, there's, a, there is actually kind of a story behind why I took that class. Um, um, 
I um, people ask me all the time, uh, why, why what made you take that class? Actually, I, I, I admit, I took two. <laughs> I took the LGBT one and two, and people ask, what, what made you take that class? And I'll tell you, in that class, it's not it's not who you think's in there. It's a, a bunch of people like me, to be honest. You know what I'm saying? It's people who literally are trying to learn about um, the LGBTQ, the LGBT, at the time it was LGBT uh, community, you know, um, may not have a huge history on it, may not have a huge, uh, under, you know, I don't know, I, I know it sounds stupid, but um, this is what I tell people, there's nothing wrong with taking classes on anything. A lot of people, they want to go start trading, first thing they'll do is go buy a $10,000 class. I don't care. There's nothing wrong with taking any class. If you need to start somewhere, sometimes it's beneficial. Are all classes necessary to someone? You know what I'm saying? Like, if someone said, hey, I want to take a class on black men, I'd be like, okay, sure. You know, how much is it? $5,000. Okay. And what is it about? Just black men? Okay. All right. Hey, you know, you know, I never really had a dad, I never really had an uncle, never really had a brother, never really had a boyfriend. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I just feel like I'm disconnected with, you know, the black men community. I say, you know what? More power to you. Go do your thing. You know what I'm saying? For somebody else, you probably won't find me in a class about black men. <laughs> you know, unless I'm teaching it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you probably won't find me in that class. You know, I won't need it. But sometimes there's other classes that I felt that I needed to take to kind of um, expand my horizon, you know, uh, to broaden my horizon, to evolve as a human being. Um, so I just took electives. Um, I took an African American studies program. Uh, we protested because they fired the president of, uh, the African American studies program. And they basically shut the whole African American studies program recently read that they brought it back. Um, and I think someone hung a noose from a tree. Uh, that's just when you go to when you go to those schools. That's just what some some people do. And the individual tried to spit on my shoe first day. First day, seriously, not joking. First day, show up on campus. I'm in the most positive attitude. You know, I'm like, hey, Chan. You know, don't forget about University of Maryland was the one of the last universities that accepted black people, and you here now. All right, so make the best of it. First day, this kid comes up to me. He's like. <laughs> Man, I moved my foot. I'm telling you, I, I wanted to, but I didn't. I said, we got a bigger cause. We're bigger than this, okay? So, oh, shit. Man. Oh, gosh, I don't know why. Uh, I, 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 right now, I got, <laughs> as, <laughs> we're bigger than this. Somebody who I can't stand is reaching out to me and, and uh, it's like God says, we're bigger than this. All right, Chan, we're bigger than this. We got to behave bigger than this. All right. So I kept going Forget about it. Um, uh, you know, I do believe I took a calculus class there as well. Um, had, had a great had a great time. Hung out with this uh, this guy who planned on going into the Navy. That was one of my buddies. I didn't make a whole lot of friends at University of Maryland. Uh, not a whole lot. I made a few. Had a cool I had a little cool crew, uh, not, nothing major. I, I was a commuter. I was a commuter. So I'm going a long way down this story. I'm talking about the test, right? Graduate from the University of Maryland. My mom 
no pressure on my mom, is like, I would be so proud to have a child who is a doctor and another one who's a lawyer. And I think your other sibling's going to take care of the medical field. And of course, they love military too. They love military. So if you can, you know, join the military. But if you can, you can be a lawyer in the military. That's like, oh my gosh. That's amazing. So, or doctor in the military, oh, they would love you. I hear they got like, you know, they have their like court martial or something. I don't know. The military has their own court or something. Um, I hear it sucks, man. You get court martialed or something, man, I hear like your weekends are done. You, like, I hear it's not fun. All right. So, um, um, I say, Ma, you know what? Your boy got you. I don't really, law really never appeased to me i always felt like i could just always hire a lawyer if i ever needed to you know i was always like mine you know why do i gotta go to law school why don't we just make a lot of money and then hire a bunch of lawyers well i started to see the benefit it's good to just know the law it's just good to know you know it's just good to have the that law degree in your belt if you need it now i was talking to recently to one of my buddies and i hope i didn't discourage him because that's not what i was trying to do that wasn't my goal at all i i worked with a bunch of lawyers and i noticed the amount of debt they were in. And I was like, oh shit, do you ever think you're going to get out of it? And I don't know if they, I, I think they kind of came to the conclusion that, I don't know. I don't know if they ever know if they're going to get out of debt. And maybe, maybe they become president of the United States and write a book. I don't know. But I think they've came to the conclusion that that student loan debt is a part of like their life, like a, like, like a tumor or something. It's just, it's on you. You know what I'm saying? And, Ah, they, man, they came to, uh, uh, and I was like, ooh, and every lawyer is not working at some firm making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. There's a lot of lawyers that work for like small firms, you know, just making, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90,000 dollars a year. Seriously, you know, they've come to the conclusion. I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to get a small town home, work, you know, in, in compliance or whatever for this firm or 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 work, you know, whatever. Oh my goodness. So I more so said, if there's any way that you could find a way to get your law school paid for, I would go down that route, if possible. If possible. If not, then don't worry about it. But you don't have to become a lawyer. You know what I'm saying? That's not the point. You don't have to become a lawyer. You could just have the law degree just so that if you go into business, you got the mindset you know, of a lawyer. So I was like, all right, cool, man. Forget about it. I'll try to go become a lawyer. So, oh, I got a phone call. Ah, goodness. So I go to try to become a lawyer, right? I go sit down for the LSAT, right? I'm studying the LSAT. I'm reading the LSAT book. People don't believe me. Oh, were you really studying? Man, nobody understands. There were so many days that I didn't go hang out, that I didn't go chill, and I was in the library. I was in the library for, not for the LSAT, just period, probably for like, three, four years. Um, I was in the library at Prince George's. I was in the library at Ma University of Maryland College Park. And then when I graduated from College Park, I was in the library studying for the LSAT. So for like four or five straight years, I was in the library. That's where I was. You know what I'm saying? Um, I can't even remember all the names of them. I think College Park is like, they had two. I think it's like Harborough or something. I can't remember the names of them. I can't even remember the name of the one at, uh, yeah. Um, so if you go to like, you know, colleges after like 4 p.m., 
I believe you can just park anywhere. That's what I would do. I would go to a college. Not well, when I was at College Park, I had a pass. But the other college, it was Bowie State. I would pull up to Bowie State um, after like 4 p.m. You know, it was all over and done. And I would go into their library and just study in there on the LSAT. Um, I felt like I was doing good. I was like, I got this information. I'm good. So I go sit for the LSAT. Bomb the joint. So the proctor, you know, the person running the joint actually called me up and was like, hey, I want to speak with Chandler Hayes. I'm not even kidding. Literally called me out and was like, hey, come here. I saw like, I see you. I see you. And I was like, yeah, I'm trying. She's like, it, it, it was a lady. She's like, yo, um, yo, so how did you study? You know what I'm saying? I was like, yo, I studied by myself for months. She's like, oh, by yourself. Okay. Okay. That's what it is. Because I can see you got the right concepts. I see you got the right brain. But you don't know how to take a test. There's a difference. Test taking and the knowledge is two totally different things. And I, I will admit, people do say things like, see, Oh, goodness, I don't know if I should be saying this shit. But, hey, we're going in transparency sometimes. All right, let me. Uh, they'll say, like, look, these tests are catered to certain groups of individuals who have been learning how to take these types of tests since they were in elementary, middle school, high school, whatever. See, for other individuals, when we take tests, it's about knowledge. It's about, you know, what's the most correct answer? You know, and that's what you're thinking about. So when I read this question, um, so when I took the general securities exam, I didn't do what I did with the LSAT. I didn't do it by myself. I got a mentor. I actually tried to reach out to my mentor and she actually didn't even pick up. I was like, listen, ma'am, I I really was just trying to reach out to you to say thank you. Thank you for everything you did for me. I'm pretty sure she gets messages from everybody. My mentor uh, that helped me with my series seven my general securities exam, I just want to say thank you. And still to this day, I want to say thank you, you know, to that lady. Uh, but you never know with these people, man, you know. <laughs> but um, so when I read that first question, it gave me a flashback of how to take these type of exams. A fundamental analyst is concerned with all of the following except. So with these type of exams, which I'm pretty sure you already know, that means Three of the questions are correct. One is wrong. All right. So two of them are going to sound exactly right. Or, you know, uh, and then two of them are going to sound very similar. And it's your brain power to actually know the information to know. That's when the knowledge comes in to know which one is incorrect or not. So a fundamental analyst is concerned with all of the following except. Honestly, when you know how to take a test, you don't even really need to know all the information. It's it's important, but you can just kind of look at the answers and see. And you could probably get really close. And the only difference is, is if you know the information, then that's when you get the answer right. But historical earnings, earnings trends, inflation rates, capitalization, trading volumes. Because you hear it already. You heard it. Historical earnings, earnings trends. Okay. Earnings, inflation rates, inflation, capitalization. 
Oh crap, that's an alarm that I have, but I I'm a, I'm busy. I gotta make a couple phone calls. Shit. The market just opened. It's 9 30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, January 9th, 2024. Alright, let's get it. Let's see what's going on. Oh shit. What's going on? My investments are dropping, of course. Because that's what my investments do. They always drop. I should just start shorting everything. Um, and then trading volumes. All right, so off jumps, I already know the answer to that. That's D. If I, here, let me, let me see if I can go to the answers. It wasn't even about anything about knowing uh, the information, which I knew the information. Uh, was it unit 14? Let me see. Crap. Where's the test answers? Uh, yeah, it was just more so. I knew three of them were right. Uh, test 14, 14, number one. Uh. So again, with a question like all of them are correct, except that's huge because it's, you have to pick the wrong answer. So, uh, I'm going, uh, D they're not concerned with trading volume. All right, so let's go to the, the answers real quick. Here we are. Uh, D, a fundamental analyst is concerned with the economic climate, the inflation rate, how an industry is performing, a company's historical earnings trends, how it is capitalized, and its product lines, management, and balance sheet ratios. A technical analyst is concerned with... A technical analyst is concerned with trading volumes or market trends and prices. So, yeah, it's not even so much about knowing the information as if... You can see three of them are very similar and then picking the one that's not similar. So, yeah, that's just really what it comes down to. It's really crazy stuff, man. Our sweetheart. Whatever. Whoever. Everybody. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. But I got to get ready to get up out of here. I got to. Um, um, I got a. Uh, I got I got a lot to do. A lot to do. And I'm not bragging or anything. I got. Uh, um, I'm going to take a look at this market. Then I got to make a couple phone calls. Uh, the phone calls are for uh, these people. Um, they they may be interested in bringing me in to a broker dealer, seeing you know if I have any skills or anything. Uh, I don't know. Bring me in real entry level, so I got to make those phone calls. And then also this inclement weather is coming in, so I got to handle that shit as well. It's just a bunch of shit, and not even to mention I got all this personal stuff going on. But I just want to say thank you so much. To everybody who decides to stop by and come kick it with your mans. I appreciate it. All right? I ain't going to let y'all down. We're going to be back. We're going to apply this knowledge. You're going to see me try to apply this knowledge because on another page back here uh, in the book is all the um, calculations. So I don't have to go try to dig and say, hey, where's that calculation for this again? Here, real quick. Let me see. Calculations. Dividend yield. Annual dividend divided by current yield. It just got all the calculations right here. Shareholders equity. Assets minus li liability. So, not saying that we're going to sit around doing formulas, but basically taking that knowledge, seeing the price of, a, of, let's say, a stock, comparing it to the other stocks in this industry, seeing the earnings per share, the price to earnings and all that, and seeing where it's all at, and saying essentially, okay, this is kind of on the lower end. I can see this going up. Or this is way too expensive. I'm going to skip it. Or if I have eligibility, may even short it. We don't never know. Um, again, I just want to say thank you. If, if 
anyone sat there and bared through all that, I appreciate it. We're going to get through this. I love y'all. I hope y'all have a wonderful day. Uh, I'm Chan Man. This is House of Barf. Blah. I am thrilled to introduce you to an exciting new storybook journey that I believe will capture your imagination. Allow me to present Langston Mangston's Kulamate Stand Adventure, a compelling short story that promises to transport you to a world of interest, excitement, and learning. The title of the book is Langston Mangston's Kulamate Stand Adventure by Chandler Hayes. In a world of colorful imagination and captivating stories, a new children's book has emerged to empower our young minds with crucial life lessons, life skills, and financial literacy. Langston Mangston's Kulamate Stand Adventure is a cheering short story written by a talented black author who understands the importance of equipping our youth in the early stages of life with the tools they need to navigate the realm of money, savings, and smart choices. Meet Langston Mangston and his imaginary best friend, Zonky, a pink elephant, two curious souls who embark on an adventure around the vibrant landscape of Wichita, Kansas, where Langston Mangston sets out to accomplish multiple goals and is met with obstacles that he must overcome. Langston Mangston and Zonky discover valuable lessons of talking about finances in the home in order to gain knowledge. Langston Mangston, with a little bit of confidence, the guidance of supportive parents, the help of community members like Mr. Tiller, and his imaginary best friend Zonky, Langston Mangston learns about the value of money and how to save, the importance of making thoughtful spending decisions, the significance of thinking outside the box when met with challenges, with money, and the joys of sharing with others. Through relatable experiences and emerging and, and engaging storytelling, Young readers are introduced to the fundamental concepts of money, such as earning, saving, and spending responsibly. Langston Mangston set savings goals, teaching children the importance of planning for future needs and dreams. The book celebrates diversity and the different perspectives on money, shedding light on its role in different people's lives. The characters' interactions emphasize the joys of serving others, the gift of sharing, and making a positive impact in their community. The pages of Langston Mangston's Kulamated Stand Adventure come to life with vibrant illustrations. The colorful and imaginative visuals not only captivate young readers, but also enhance their understanding of complex financial concepts. Langston Mangston's Kulamate Stand Adventure is coming soon to bookstairs and online realtors it is a must-have addition to any child's library, fostering essential life skills while sparking the joy of reading. Empower the young minds in your life with the gift of financial literacy and imagination. Join Langston Mangston, Zonky, family, and friends on their extraordinary journey of running a drink stand to set them on the path of a brighter future. Your opinion means a great deal to me. I would be honored if you would consider exploring Langston Mangston's Kulamate Stand Adventure and sharing your thoughts. Your feedback could play an invaluable role in shaping the future of this project. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to discuss the book further, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Your support in spreading the word about Langston Mangston's Kulamate Stand Adventure would mean the world to me, and I deeply appreciate your consideration. I am a passionate advocate 
for financial literacy. Me, um, Chandler Hayes, um, and and am excited to join the community of storytellers with a background in finances. I am driven to inspire children to embark on their own adventures of learning and discovery through the power of literature. Langston Mankson's Cool Amaze Stand Adventure is a heartfelt endeavor to promote financial literacy in a fun and accessible way. As a black author, I'm committed to providing children of all backgrounds with the tools for success, and I am proud to contribute to a more financially informed generation. Thank you for taking the time to explore this advertisement, and I look forward to the possibility of sharing this extraordinary literature adventure with you. Please feel free to contact me. Uh, You can reach me at the email c287gph at gmail.com. All right. Thank you. Warmest regards. Have a great day. God bless.